Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, founder of the 360 brand. Before I introduce this week's guest and the delicious podcast conversation we had, I would like to remind you that my third Everyday Joy Retreat is taking place on Saturday the 8th of June at London's Benken Bow in Allgate. It is going to be a really nourishing day. I've created the Everyday Joy Retreat because I know we need a nourishing space. A nourishing space carefully designed for you to feel safe and held whilst you invest your precious energy in peeling back the layers created by that armour that we use to protect ourselves and the roles, titles, characteristics you've embodied to get yourself this far. I'm creating time and space for you to prioritise yourself. If you'd like to come along, please do tap the link in the show notes. This will be the last day retreat that takes place in this format. I'm making some changes to my 360 business. And um, yeah, I will tell you about those soon. But this is going to be the last day retreat that takes place in this way. And probably the last day retreat to take place this year. It's going to be super special. So to today's show or to today's show even. This is episode 30. Can't believe it, 30 episodes. Well, there's been more than 30 episodes because I've also done a few um, solo episodes. But anyway, episode 30 of 360 Conversations, where I am having a really beautifully nourishing conversation with Steph Douglas, founder of Don't Buy Her Flowers. We have a beautiful conversation and we talk about things like staircasing your way to success rather than trying to run warp speed um, about how Steph and her husband take care of their relationship to make sure it is a beautiful space and by beautiful space we're not talking about Mills and Boone stuff we're talking about a beautiful space where Steph and her husband Doug are able to be themselves within their relationship and accept themselves fully And this accepting yourself fully stuff, it's not easy. It hasn't come easy for Steph and Doug. I don't want people to walk around thinking, oh my goodness, goals, because they've actually put the work in, which has included having counselling, which has included being curious and open and having difficult conversations about their relationship. Um, Steph and I talk about being an influencer, not me, her. And we talk about what that means to her. And also we talk about the juxtaposition about being somebody who has a significant platform of influence on social media as a person in her own right. And also somebody that has a thriving business. We talk about all sorts. It was a really wide ranging conversation. But the thing that linked everything is Steph's staircasing approach where she feels comfortable and confident and not in a mildew staying within my comfort zone sort of way but comfortable and confident in taking time to take steps and grow organically into well 
we don't know what into, but she's growing organically, taking it step by step. And sometimes she's taking it three steps by step, but she's doing it. And that was really affirming, especially in a world where everybody wants to do something at supersonic warp speed. Gosh, this is another person I'm a little bit in love with. Anyway, over to the show. I hope you really enjoy it. Bye. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to 360 Conversations. Today, I am in conversation with the lovely Steph Douglas of Don't Buy Her Flowers fame. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was introduced to Steph via Nicola Washington, um, who is on Instagram as Too Much Mothering Information. Wow, that's the first time I've said that on here without trying to do a northern accent. What's going on? (laughs) Um, And you know that I love Nicola. So anybody that Nicola recommends, I'm like, oh, my God, this person must be fantastic. And bloody hell, Steph is wonderful. And she's got like a really significant Instagram audience. And she's so normal. (laughs) And I know that that's going to sound so shady. It is. Um, <laughs> but I just I just love the sort of ordinarity, is that a new word, of her family? Um, because, oh, as per my conversation with Nicola Washington, I truly believe that everyday joy lives in the ordinary and we rush around looking for these massive, great, big things and everyday joy is all around us. And I must say, Steph, your children... Give me maximum joy. <laughs> there, I went to Glastonbury a few years ago and there was a dad and his two kids. Um, it was at Toddler T Stat Sound System and um, it was some proper heavy bass lines that you could feel right inside your chest. And these kids were the coolest kids ever and their dad was the coolest dad. And so I went over because I had to and had a conversation and um, I was like, do you do this all the time? And the dad said to me, a family that raves together stays together. And that is what I think about when I see your kids. Oh, I her love kids that. from her one-year-old. How old is your oldest? Nine. Uh, eight. 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 From the one-year-old to the nine-year-old. They're just the best ravers ever. Yeah. But without further ado, I'm going to hand over to the woman herself because I'm just going to keep talking about her lovely kids. And, oh, and, and yogurts eaten in the most deliciously messy way and That's jacket potato love eat, right eat food should be eaten like that that's frankly oh just my showing gosh. It pure love there's something i was listening to some spiritual leader probably deepak chopra and um he was talking about how life is to be savored mm. You can learn so much from toddlers. Your son savors life. <laughs> but anyway, before I go on and on and on, Steph, welcome. Hello. Hi. So um, for those that don't know what I'm talking about and haven't witnessed the wonder of your child or your children raving, um, please yeah. could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? I will. Okay, so uh, I'm Steph. Um, so I've got three children. Buster is eight. Mabel is six and Frank is one I really struggle when I have to write their birthdays <laughs> down on forms and stuff like that. there's a lot to remember it is um and uh I run a business called don't buy her flowers which I founded in 2014 and it's a gift business and um it all links very much together because I started the business well the idea for the business came when I had 
Buster, mm-hmm. so eight years ago, and um, I found motherhood overwhelming. And that first bit, and I was sitting there, and I was on the sofa, and I was leaking, and just feeling like what just happened. Because much as I'd always wanted family, I just had no idea what it would actually entail. I hadn't really thought about it beyond labour, which mm-hmm. even that I hadn't really thought about. And um, flowers kept arriving. And the doorbell kept going and it was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing that when you have a baby, you get gifts and and isn't this lovely? And then quite quickly, I was like, this is a really odd gift to get someone who is physically and emotionally doing more than they've ever done in their lives Mm -hmm. at that point. And you're just thinking, why is everyone sending me another thing to do? Like much as I, and obviously I wasn't thinking it in an ungrateful way. I just was like, that's really weird that that's a thing. Um, and so that was kind of where the idea for the business came. So we started as Gifts for New Mums and then um, very quickly it became more people saying, I want to send this for someone who's unwell or someone who's been bereaved and lots of occasions when you would send flowers, but yeah. there's things that just offer more TLC and they offer someone a bit more, um, it's a bit more personal and you can put packages together and we, especially now we've kind of evolved in those four and a half years so you can select things and it has a handwritten tag and it's all gift wrapped but it's really if you know that someone loves a gin and tonic and you know that they are knackered and they could do with the lie down we've got there's all different products that basically can help you to help them relax or just offer them some tlc so that's that's the business um which is really exciting and growing and it's a bit nuts but i'm trying to embrace it and not resent it if Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, and also to just keep myself calm because there's so much potential there's so much to do but I'm choosing to do it we haven't taken investment and I want to and I've just had another baby and I want to be at home with him so I don't want to stick him in nursery full-time which is you know a really personal choice so I'm kind of navigating that still and we've got a team now so I I suddenly feel very responsible when you had the idea did you envisage you being an employer I don't think I thought about it so we and I think we kind of grown up very much watching The Apprentice and uh, god awful (laughs) it's terrible now but you know watching that kind of things like The Apprentice and Dragon's Den where someone gets a massive influx of money and then they grow the business really quickly and it's all about that speed and I I think I kind of saw that as one route and then hadn't really thought about what the alternatives were so I guess I knew that there would need to be more people, but I, I genuinely hadn't thought, well, what happens when it gets to that point? And then, and, it, and it's been incremental, so it's four and a half years. So I, so I had the idea when I had my first baby in 2010. I didn't do anything until four years later because I had another baby and I was back at work and it was just like this idea wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. And also the more I was in a community of other women and mothers, the more I spoke to them, the more I realised that there really is something in this because I was very honest because that's kind of or how I am. My mum used to say that you could tell what what day I'd had as I walked in the door, which okay. is my face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was no hiding it. And so I I would say, God, I'm finding this hard, or I want to kill my husband, or shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And people would respond to that. And so over those first few years of motherhood, I was kind of going, oh, okay, there's lots of people aren't doing that. And, and you're supposed to present yourself in a certain way and I've got this and I know what I'm doing and and I still was doing that to some degree but then within close circles I suppose I was more honest and found actually everybody struggles there is not one person no matter how together they look that 
finds it breezy and they might find the first couple of weeks breezy or they might find the first six months breezy or until they get to Todd. But at some point you're, it, it calls you to question who you are, what you're doing, mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. And it's monumental. Yeah. And we try and pretend it's not and get yeah. back to it really quickly. So all of that really fit with what I was trying to do, but I just didn't think much beyond launching. Yeah. And, and it was only when we were going and it was like, shit, this is actually got let you know people were obviously buying packages but and looking to send packages for more reasons so you go oh god the market is so much bigger than what I first mm-hmm. was and I ran it from home for two years and about nine months in I was chatting to a friend who was like why are you packing boxes like you can't pack boxes and grow it because it had got to the point where I was spending my whole time packing boxes yes. and so I brought in a couple of girls who were from the local college who would come into my house and pack boxes which had its challenges because oh, so yeah, well, I always had two small kids, but it was oh. like, and this is, I think, what, again, because you have in your head that you've got to get investment and then you've got to get premises and you've got to get, it's like, do you know what? If I had done that, I don't even know if we'd have made it because yeah. the, the strain and the cost would have been so high, yeah. whereas we, our overheads were tiny. It was me, yeah. then it was some money for some people packing a few boxes, and then it was uh, a friend of mine who ended up doing customer services who now works for us in our HQ in Gloucestershire. But it was incremental. So it wasn't like, I've got to find 50 grand. It was yeah, like, yeah. we can afford this because it's grown. And then yeah. at each time we're chipping yeah. away. Whereas I now love there's that. seven of us. And yeah, and, and we've got ten. seven. So seven. we've got, there's five. In, and it's different. There's, there's a couple of people who are full time. There's some freelancers. So actually it's more like 10. So there's all different roles taken Come up. Come on, you mogul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I take over the world, no, but in it, but it, it, like I say, it's almost. So we're talking about having like a late summer party, and you kind of go, oh, there's quite a few people now who are involved. You can actually have a real one. Yeah, it's not just me and Doug yeah. going. Um, yeah, so it's all. I really so, like it, that, and I really love that you have embraced. Like, I talk a bit about staircasing. I think I even mentioned that in the blog post I contributed to for, yeah. because this whole thing about, um, I, I had some coaching and, um, with, um, this lady, Nancy Florence, who I absolutely adore and I will do more work with her in the future. But she, she, she was saying, you know, she's got this vision for me and everything that I'm talking about. And what she was talking about was doing work in inverted commas mm. so that I could like quantum leap and I was like nah I know myself I'm not a con- quantum leap kind of gal and I'm not saying that from it might be from a place of limited beliefs or whatever but I'm mm. saying that from a place of I can overwhelm myself really really easily I'm yeah. much better with staircasing let mm. me do one step at a time and before you know it I'm doing five steps at a time exactly. but I can't know that to begin with yeah let yeah, it happen on its have own. Said, here's, here's 300 grand off you go. I don't like, I've learned so much because of the way we've done it. Yeah, and now we're starting to take more. Like, we've just taken on a head of marketing, like, that's a full time hire. So, it's, that's that feels like a massive deal. Yeah, and I wouldn't have even a year ago thought that that would have happened by now. Yeah, and that means hold you know and we've got budgets and you also I've got people who have left good jobs to come and work for me so I've got to make it work yeah, 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 that yeah. Yeah. is big you know mm-hmm. and I and I don't switch off very often there's always something that's ticking along but then I'm trying to at the moment go but bloody hell this is what you want it like this is I am flexible I ha- can be at home I 
I do have two days a week with my one-year-old, albeit that as soon as he naps, I'm working and yeah. it's, you know, and I'm juggling around. So I think rather than trying to go, have I got the balance? It's like, well, I'm doing the best I can. Where, what is that, balance? There's no such yeah. thing. We need to just stop that. Yesterday, um, because it was really nice, you know, thank goodness the sun has got his hat on. Yeah. Hip, 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 hooray. So um, I was lying down um, in my garden. I'm always lacking vitamin D. And I remember um, this uh, lady, uh, my friend, Lanise, she's a nutritional ther- therapist on Instagram as Eat, Love, Move. And um, she talked about the areas of the body that absorb vitamin D really well. And so this week, my thing is making sure I have a proper lunch break, half an hour, not not taking Mm -hmm. a full um, hour. Not that I can't, but I'm still grappling with the concept of taking a full hour. So I thought um, I've had my lunch. I'm going to lay down, just rolled my top up so I could get some sun on my belly because your belly and your thighs are good places for your body to Uh, absorb vitamin D. And I very nearly felt guilty, very, very nearly. And I thought, no, Tamu, this is the life that you're crafting you are crafting a life where you are working from home so you're more available for your daughter because I didn't want, as she gets into teenage years, that to be the time that I'm less available. Yeah. Um, because I think, well, what I know from being a social worker is that it doesn't change. They need you just as much. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be around. Um, and I just had to remind myself that I'm making this life the way I want to make it so that it suits me and it's a bend and flex yeah. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that I did any. In fact, I came back to work feeling a bit pumped, like, yeah, man, I've got this. Yeah. Um, so I had to remind myself. But then also, we're humans. Sometimes you will be like, oh, my goodness, work is taking over. I haven't seen my kids for, you know, yeah. a proper dinner this week at all or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, such as that. But I want to... Um, I don't know where to go, man. There's so much. There's so much. So one of the things that I absolutely enjoy about your content, quote unquote, is you don't make content. You just share. That's what it feels like to me anyway. I don't. I genuinely don't think about anything before I post it. I love it. Your post, you you share what's going on you use Instagram like Instagram most of the time it's not all this planned 12 months in advance business um and um I really like your candor do you know what it's a really weird thing when you get messages from people because I often because I've got three kids there is going to be tat in the background. There's going to be washing. It's my washing that is I love a random sock in the background. But I'll get people, whenever my washing, which is always basically, is hanging in the background, I'll get people going, it's really nice to see your washing because that's what my house looks like. And I, you kind of think, isn't that ridiculous that we have to, that that's a thing to praise? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm li- it's just there. I, can't, I, there's nothing I, I, I wonder can- if it's because... And I do think there's a shift that we're in a place where um, influencers, people of influence, people with large social media audiences that can leverage those audiences. Instagram got into a place where it was very curated. Like Mm. I'm not going to like I really sometimes think there are things that I want to share, but it doesn't look right on my grid so I don't um share it yeah my Um, grid is very there is I've never thought about it to be honest but I I suppose I've got two we've got two accounts you don't have random socks on don't buy her flowers 
No, so don't mind that. And obviously, lovely Nicola is our social media manager. Yes. So um, that's much more. And that was why, because I used to just have one account. And it used to all be the business and because it was just me, really. So mm-hmm. it's, and I was like, I haven't got capacity to run two accounts. No. That's nuts. So it, so there is a crossover. And I think people are quite interested in seeing someone who runs a business and seeing it grow. I suppose seeing that growth and going on the path with us. Yeah. Um, but for my own stuff, I think if I had to really think about it, I just don't have the space. Like, there's no. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I've got capacity for most things as it is, or yeah. enough capacity. And I think one thing that I, because obviously I've now got fifty plus thousand followers, so I get contacted to do lots of campaigns yeah. and stuff. And so, and it's quite tempting because you think, well, that's cash, and for me, that's money that goes into the business. It doesn't mean I get a nice holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah shopping out of it it's it's a revenue stream for the business yeah do a bit of stuff but I don't do very much at all and I I there's been some things recently that I've turned down because I've just thought I don't think people so say for example a holiday Mm -hmm. holiday is something to me that is really precious to people and that and the first you know having friends who have gone through breakups or they're struggling financially it's the first thing to go Mm mm-hmm so for me, seeing somebody who you think is a normal person, and it's different if you're, I think it's different if you're a lifestyle type mm-hmm. influencer and it's mm-hmm. aspirational, but if yeah. you're following someone because you kind of relate to them and then they're going off on swanky do's, yeah. I can see why that would piss people off. And I've had people going, yeah, but it shouldn't annoy people if they're happy in their life. It's like, but it, it will, of course it will. And I, and I completely get that. So I think, or, you know, or being offered something where it, it's just not quite in keeping with my own moral code. or yeah, yeah. Just, So I, and for me, I've got to remember the priority is the business. Absolutely. So it's really tempting to do all those things, especially because it, it's fast cash. It's yeah. silly money to do yeah. something. But my long-term plan and my, my career now is my business. Yeah. So all these other things that have come out of it, it's kind of by chance. Um, and some of it's great. Like I've done some work with a couple of brands where it's, it's really enjoyable and mm-hmm. or you get to do things. I did a shoot, which was like involved hair and makeup and modeling. And it's like, I've never done that. That's mm-hmm. great. But it's just being mindful for me of why am why is any of this important? And, and now, especially, like I say, I've got a team of people who are going to rely on me yes. to grow this business. Yes. I can't be distracted yeah. by, things that just might get me some quick money but isn't going to help contribute to that. Yeah. So it's all that kind of fits together and I think it's it's really important but it's I can see why why people can get really distracted by it. And, and I guess you've got your off, business. Off. You're not out there trying to be an influencer. It's been a no. byproduct of your business and you sharing in the way that you do. Yeah, and the blog, I think because I started a blog before I started the business and that was right about motherhood and relationships so I wrote about being an angry new mum like that rage I don't know if well I don't know if you felt that but I definitely felt it I felt it all three times that rage at my husband in that first year to two three years I want to read something actually um because I I um I love um Clementine app Mm. um and it's such a shame we live in a time where like I I feel like I have to say you know it's not some kind of like sponsored endorsement or whatever I just absolutely love the app yeah and um I love it so much that um 
body confidence isn't my thing but I yeah. bought the body confidence section because I've been waiting to pay for Clementine for so long because I think it's so good and I really wish that Kim and Annie would charge for it but that's yeah. a different thing altogether and I was reading on their blog a, a post that you shared um, and I'm going to read a quote from it um, Doug was diagnosed with a rare thyroid cancer he had surgery and then six weeks of radiotherapy, which finished the day before I went into labour four weeks early. So when Buster was born, that's your first child, mm. um, I was in shock and he was feeling absolutely terrible as radiotherapy is cumulative. And by that point, he could barely eat or speak. That was you and your husband's entry into parenting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did that shape you as parents because I'm I'm guessing you didn't have with, with your husband being so ill mm. I'm guessing you didn't have the opportunity to be a martyr no so that so my rage came more with our second child and I right. think a lot of it was throwback to what we'd had to do with the first one which was so he was diagnosed when I was 14 weeks pregnant so we just told yeah so the whole pregnancy was kind of not shrouded because it wasn't it was it was going along with his mm-hmm. cancer treatment mm-hmm. so surgery and radiotherapy um and I was so we just had told everyone and uh, you know and I was being classic first time pregnancy like oh, I'm so wonderful and this is such a big deal it's all about me and I and read on the BBC kind of- website today the baby is the size of <laughs> an egg yeah and that and that, so that was a massive uh yeah it was a really big deal and as I say Doug was and what was horrible is that his diagnosis came he didn't feel that terrible the treatment the surgery the kit the radiotherapy that's the stuff that may often for people with cancer makes you feel so much worse obviously it's better than dying yeah. but so that he felt pretty terrible and like those first weeks so when i when i had franca at uh, buster early i was in the hospital and the midwives blessed them i don't know that we told them what was going on with doug but maybe it was in my notes mm-hmm. or they just knew cuz he looked shocking um and he had this massive rash and everything going on his neck but they'd done all this stuff they kept me in an extra night. So you know how people are always desperate to get out of yeah, hospital. Yeah. I think I had in my head, oh yeah, no, you'd only stay in one night. Oh, they kept me in for a couple of nights. And I think I was like, I should go now, shouldn't I? Like packing up my bag. And they were like, no, no, darling, why don't you stay another night? And they really looked after me. That, Aww, just, that sounds because, so old school. That, yeah, well, they just, they could obviously see that we would have been massively struggling. Like Doug, Doug would come in and then he'd have to go home and sleep because he was ill and he probably shouldn't be driving or so that first few weeks that when you are learning and you're lying in bed going oh and the baby starts crying again you're realizing right I'm gonna get up multiple times in the night and all that stuff he had to sleep in the spare room after a while because he needed to recover mm-hmm. but he doesn't really like when we've talked about this he he gets quite upset because he would he did absolutely everything he could and beyond what he could you know he was going through so much but I I was then on my own you know sitting there with this baby that I didn't know what I was doing and everything else we missed out a little bit on that bit you know when you're first at home yeah and it really quickly changes because quite often the bloke goes back to work and then you become the primary carer very quickly but that little bit I think that was really hard. Mm-hmm. 
And when we had Mabel, I think my expectations were so high because they'd had to be so low yes. the last time. And there's no way he could have met them, basically, <laughs> in the hormones and sleep deprivation and everything else. So, yeah, that was – but we – so he, is, he isn't cured. It's really – it's an unusual situation. Well, it's not that unusual, actually. He doesn't have a curable cancer at the moment. Right. And so he still has traces of cancer, but it's not doing anything. So right. he has an annual checkup. It doesn't affect him. Um, it's not growing, so everything's fine. It's stable, and but it's a really unusual thing, I think, especially those first few years to be like you're living with cancer. cancer. You wouldn't know to look at him or anything else. And often people say to me, "Oh, isn't it great? He's got the all clear." If they hear it, but that he's had cancer, they kind of go, "Oh, well, that's great. He's fine now." And actually, we both kind of go, "Oh, yeah," because you can't be bothered to go. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a weird one, but in time we you don't think about it so much and you don't talk about it every day and it's not hanging over you in the same way. But he, we, you still have moments and there's certain things we've done. I don't know if I would have started the business if that, if we hadn't been through that because we were very set in our little world. And I suppose it gives you more on the, on the upside, it can give you that strength or that absolute unequivocal realization that life is short. You know, I, I did envisage him dying. I sat, on certain days crying thinking mm. shit I've just had a baby what if he doesn't come through this or and he he did as well you know and he set himself some like really physical challenges it's really interesting watching Deborah James bow babe because she does a lot of physical stuff you know where she um is does she runs to the hospital when she's going for treatment and things oh, like wow. that and I think that I can see that. If it, and, it, and it obviously cancer is so personal, so everyone does it differently, and, and that's a really important thing for people to understand. But Doug did a boxing, couple of boxing matches, and he did one. It was only a year after his surgery and his radiotherapy had finished. So, yeah, Buster was like one, and he smashed it. And he'd never done boxing before, wow. and he did amazing. And we all went to watch, and he had a crowd of, like, 40, his friends, his work colleagues, and it was him saying, F you, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. So I'm, yes. But <laughs> I wouldn't. This is for adults. <laughs> okay. It was him saying, fuck you to the cancer. You know, yeah. like, I am in control of my body, which we're not to a degree. But, and he's done that. He did a ride 100 and he said there were moments of that where he felt really dark because it took him to quite a dark place. Because it was like his showdown with his cancer, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I've learned a lot from him as well. Like he's, he's, when I think of him in that context and I'm not thinking of him with his shoes on the floor and forgetting to <laughs> sign the kids form and all the crap that comes with your day-to-day logistics, he's pretty special really. Yeah. He, and he, I know. And I've, I've learned a lot from him as well, I think. Um, I think it's a really nice reminder. So I was saying I did, um, I was, I was speaking at this event, um, Limitless Live, um, by Susie Ashworth. And I was talking about how, um, in some times that for me might not be for other people, but for me were quite dark. I spent a lot of time just like looking into my garden and observing nature and mm. then remembered that I'm not a machine. I am of nature. So I need to treat myself accordingly. Mm. And, um, it sounds like that is what reminded Doug that he's a, he's alive because mm. I yeah. think we forget we just we we live but we forget we are alive yeah well um, you're too busy. We're, we're really distracted and busy by achieving and 
what's next and yeah. what's happening next. And I'm, I'm terrible for that. Sometimes. I like a plan. I like to know what's happening. If we're going somewhere, if it's the weekend, I need to know what's happening in the yeah. I'm really crowded. Like Doug said to me the other day, just roll with it, Steph. You know, like, do you know me at all? Like, that's just not who I am. I'm and I, glad. sometimes I wish I was, but I'm not. So, I what, what like, I really like <laughs> about this, though, about Steph's brand of being busy and having three young children, a husband, running a household, running a business with like seven employees. And this is my own thing and I need to do whatever I need to do to let go of it. But I never hear you talking about this all hustle hard and all this kind of mm-hmm. caper. Mm-hmm. You just get on with it. And yet maybe it's because you've got a plan, but you just seem to flow. Oh, God, I'm so the opposite. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such a stress head behind the scenes. Doug would find that really funny. I think, no, I, there's certain things that I, I can just let go of. I don't. Yeah. So I think I what like... What can you just let go of? Uh, if I'm with certain friends and where there's a whole discussion about where we're going to go and what we're going to do and all this stuff, I'm, that's okay. I'm not too bothered by yeah. stuff like that. Um, and I think, I think I'm, I'm probably getting better at it in some ways. But well, like when, if there's something bothering me, I will be lying awake at night thinking and then re-going over and over again until I've worked out what... So it could be a work... Thing. it mm-hmm. could be something to do with bloody couriers it could be about package it could be really detailed and I'll wake up in the night and I'm making notes and I so I tend to I don't sleep very well if I've got too much on my mind and and Doug again is quite good at being like right we need to you need to completely switch off and you need to have an evening and not be trying and I think I can kind of feel like I'm on a treadmill and there's so much to do and I think, I suppose, I think the thing with business as well is that the further you get in, the more you're comp- like, this isn't going to end tomorrow. And I used to think this is, could end tomorrow and just suddenly no one will buy any more packages and we're not fulfilling the gifts or whatever. That's not going to happen. The yeah. way we've gone so far is we've grown month on month since we launched. So it's this really lovely, steady, mm-hmm. upward, significant growth. And I need to trust in that and trust in our customers and trust in our brand and trust in what we've created that it's not going to suddenly drop off. So I can't, I can only put, I can't put more than I'm already putting into it. Yeah. If that makes sense. And worrying isn't going to help it along either. No, I suppose that's, it's kind of letting go of what you can't control. Similarly, like people get really focused and especially in the early days of running a business on competitors. It's like, you have no control over that unless they're actually copying you. Yeah. And I think, and that's something, sometimes it's a bit icky on Instagram when you'll get someone going, oh, this, there's a brand copying me. And it's like, but are they copying you or did they have that idea? Because we can't, you can't, I, I can't own gifting. I can't own thoughtful exactly. gifts. So it's that, I think there's no point in wasting energy on that. So actually that's something where I can just let it go. And it's like, I need to just make what I'm doing better. I need to make sure that we're doing the best that we're doing. I need to make sure that we keep evolving and yeah. we're, and and that's for me that makes complete sense and I suppose I needed to get through that first few years of business to to really to learn that understand that yeah. yeah 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 no totally um and then sorry back to the relationship mm, yes yeah. um you've talked uh openly about um having relationship counseling yeah I th- I think it was after Mabel. You, you uh, after uh, before Frank. Before before Frank. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
it was one of our, we're having a third baby. Oh, shit. How are we going to make this slightly less <laughs> traumatic? How are we going to keep that rage at bay? <laughs> yes. And yeah. So um, what's the most... I don't, you know, I wouldn't dream of asking you about the counselling, but what is the most valuable lesson you got from that therapeutic experience? Oh, it was all about communication. Like it's stuff that's so obvious. And it, and also I, I suppose the communication and empathy, seeing it from each other's point of view. My word, guys. Hello. <laughs> Here we go. Like it's really easy when you, and this is, I think, why having a baby is such a flashpoint because it's so consuming I was so consumed with being at home and and you know and especially the first two trying to make it perfect and trying to get it right and then he would come in and he is on a completely different level because yeah. he's been at work all day yeah. and I'm thinking I can do work I've done work work's not hard look at what I'm doing and yeah. you yeah. are you are living two very different lives for a while when the baby's small and I think for me that's why working is so important because it makes us slightly more equal and I need that from our relationship mm-hmm. when we're when one of us is completely at home and the other one is completely at work and even more responsible to earn the money because the other one's not working no wonder that's good that's yeah, going to be you know, different rhythms completely different rhythms and both of you seeing that what you're doing is the most important thing so I think that is that's that's really tricky and I think that's what the counsellor probably helped us with and 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 also I think the biggest thing for me is that marriage is like a work in progress you're not done I think when I thought of marriage as a kid or you know my parents are still married 40 whatever years later so I had I kind of thought well that's what most people do or that's what we should do and actually marriage is really hard like it's not a straight line I think I just thought you did it the the biggest deal was getting married and then it was like you and it just gets better and better and you grow old together and that's that it's like god no I couldn't be more wrong it's really challenging Mm. and you've got to evolve together and you've got to learn together and you've got to accept things together and and it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to go up and down. And one, and I think accepting that that there's going to be some blips was a really big deal because otherwise, not only are you having this massive row, you're also thinking, "Well, we failed at marriage, and this is terrible." And it's like, oh my! God. So every time I write or say anything about relationships, I think that probably gets the most traction where people just are like, I, "Last, I wrote one called uh, post called Relationships Are Hard." It's basically just saying all this, like it, it's re, it's it is hard. Yeah. And I had messages from people saying, "I thought we were doomed. I thought that was it." And it's like, obviously, it depends on the scenario. But I think there's a difference between like I'm thinking of two friends actually who have split up with partners. One had a partner. I need to make sure I don't reveal <laughs> who was not right. So, right you're among friends. Here. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was not a good guy. Yeah. That is a different thing too. the relationship that breaks down because you can't communicate and you can't work through it. And I think the two get confused probably because, you know, there have definitely been times where I've thought that Doug is like the worst person in the world and he's not. Fundamentally, I know that and fundamentally, I know that we are good. But when you're in it and it's that heated time, it's like working out what is that view. And weirdly, Doug sent me a message like two days ago saying we're we're learning each other again or something. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) Because we've had another baby and our whole setup has changed again. You know, 
the older kids are eight and six, so they need a different thing to the baby who needs a different thing to ha- I've got a proper running business now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a baby in a business ever before. Yeah. So we are having to learn and he's doing a different job and he's got different pressures on him and we're trying to buy a house which is a longer term house and we you know I don't I don't know when we bought this. I don't think we thought about it that much yeah. and now it was so much bigger deal because it's more money and mm-hmm. but I think that's and he didn't say it feels like we're learning each other. He just like we're still we're we're learning. It wasn't like we're still. It was just like we're learning. And I thought, yeah, actually, it's constant, isn't it? It's not. You're not done. This staircasing thing, it's just yeah. everywhere. You're staircasing through your marriage. You're staircasing yeah. up through your bit. Like, and you know, I think that is something. You know, I'm 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 single as fuck yeah. um, but it's it's really lovely out. to hello I'm available <laughs> and it's really lovely to hear this because my views on long-term relationships and marriage were very skewed because I grew up seeing my mum and women within our little communities lives mm. become exponentially better when they became single Right. Um, but I conflated that um, and thought that single was better. And it's not that single was better. It's that single was better than the relationships they were in, yeah. that yeah. it wasn't something they chose. But I'm coming across people who are really um, open to allowing their... Allowing sounds like... Not from a controlling place, but people, yeah, people that are open to the fact that their relationships, number one, do not complete them. They're two individuals having a relationship. And because they're considering themselves as two people having a relationship rather than to become one, they give the person space to be a person. They're not expecting that person to be this perfect, you know, person that can heal all my wounds and... And that's massive. And and that is something we've definitely talked about where Doug will say, I can't fix that for you. You know, if I'm, if I'm wanting him to be a certain way, you know, he's like, I can't fix that. You've got to. So for example, on, Doug, I, I know don't he, he's quite into kind of therapy and reading about stuff and thinking, I think one day, maybe be that more Doug, change be him. More Doug. <laughs> oh, don't. I won't let you listen to this, obviously. Um, I've totally forgotten what I was going to say. Um, you, uh, he, he was saying to you, he can't fix things. For yes. You. I think when I, when I start freaking out about, it, I haven't got time to do everything. And I go from rational stuff to, I just go a bit manic and I'll be slamming about and I'm doing everything at 100 miles an hour. That's where I go to. And he's like, there are not more hours. We haven't got more hours. So you're going to have to stop yourself and work out what you can either take out or pass on or give up. Or like you can't, you can't. And I'll be cross with him because we're not getting enough stuff done. And he's like, I am can't. Wonder Woman. Yeah. And he's like, we can't. And that. That I think I am much more so since having Frank. I'm kinder to myself massively. You know, I, I did this whole piece about pulling up the drawbridge when we had Frank and looking after myself. So I am much better at that. But he is there to remind me every now and then and just be like, you you know, I'm, he, I'm looking to him to ease life. And he's like, I can't fix that. You know, he's got a set whatever his with his work or he can't change certain things. So I can't just expect him to find that time from somewhere. Yeah. And that's that's quite a big lesson. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of um, being, 
Sorry, I'm I'm just sitting here. I feel like the love eyes emoji emoji <laughs> listening to all of this. So I'm going to our friends will probably be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but again, I'm very honest about the rows we have, about the ridiculous conversations yeah. we have. We had it. We went out for a like date, and we ordered a curry, and it was too hot, and I called him inconsiderate because he'd ordered the wrong cut. Like we ended up having like a sulky row, and I'm like, you know, like that's just normal because I don't know you're tired and we said the next day we're like we were too tired we should not have gone for a date yeah, yeah, yeah. But you kind of feel like you have to that's what keeps the relationship alive that's where the magic is and all of that yeah. no sometimes we just need time together yeah nothing doing nothing time is the best time my mm-hmm. daughter when I can't remember how old she was she was in um it was the beginning of um, infant school and she said something like, um, when do you get married? So I did the whole thing. Well, you go to university, you go on holiday with your friends first, you have a good job. And then she said, um, how do you know when you'll be able to marry somebody? And I said, I don't know because I've never been married. But what I think is really, really important is that you know when, you know when you're with somebody that you can marry, when you can sit in silence and not feel any pressure to say or do anything. Yeah. Like, oh yes, mummy, that would be really good because we like <laughs> our silent time. Even though when she was really little, she would be. Can I just say one thing really quickly? And it was never <laughs> no. really, really quickly. But I think it's really I think doing nothing time with your partner alone is really, really important. Yeah. So I can segue into two different things, and I don't know where to go. So, eeny, meeny, money, mo. We will go here because it's kind of linked with what I was doing just now. So uh, social media, we can really project our wants onto others. So this whole notion of having a relationship where you can go to therapy and you talk to each other and some days you think you're idiots and other days you think, oh, you were an idiot yesterday because I was tired or whatever was going on. That really speaks to me um, at the moment. Um, But I really see this played out with influencers all the time. And I'm just using that term because you have a large audience. Yeah, yeah. um, And people are very engaged with you. So sometimes, you know, people think, oh, my gosh, your life is so great. Even when you're saying, actually, today is not a great day. Yeah. And people could be like, oh, my goodness, you're so wonderful. Even though you're clearly saying today isn't wonderful. How do you manage other people's expectations and not allow them to impact your own expectations? Because I'm asking that because sometimes I've seen people who I've seen grow big audiences sort Mm. of shape shift to meet their audience and then you're like I don't know who you are anymore how yeah. do you what like have a force field to protect yourself I don't know I think I, well I suppose a couple of I suppose being confident and clear in who I am I Come suppose on. and <laughs> I love that you do snap it's my favorite <laughs> thing and I'm listening to I think you did the podcast with Lucy Sheridan there were a lot of snaps I loved well, it I, I enjoyed I was in my element yeah and because Lucy's got so many stories. Yeah. Um, I think, I suppose it's coming with age, being really clear on why Why am I on Instagram? Like, I don't, I'm not trying to grow a massive following. Like, I haven't, I don't do things for a following, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And I think you just have to keep coming back to that. I mean, again, Doug being obviously some sort of dreamboat that he is coming across 
<laughs> he's not on any social media. And so if I were to start diving around in our time, he just wouldn't stand, you know, or saying, like, yeah. can you take a picture? Can you do that? He just wouldn't. He's yeah, just yeah. not interested. And, and so he's very quick to call bullshit. So I think that helps. Um, yeah, I know. I don't, I know what you mean. Like you see it, you see people and you can see almost the thought process of what they're saying and doing before they get there. I think it helps. I had the blog before I had the business because mm-hmm. that kind of set up my tone, I suppose, yeah. what I was willing to talk about. And, and also like everything I've written, especially if it involves Doug, he would always read it first and he doesn't have any fear like he doesn't have any, not fear, he doesn't have any, um, he's very confident in a way that he doesn't worry what other people are thinking. He doesn't embarrass, you can't embarrass him really. So as long as I'm truthful, he's okay with it. So if I talk about us having a row, as long as, you know, if I was doing it in a way that makes him come off really badly and me come off really well, I'm not going to get away with that because that's not right. That's not even what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose, I don't know, there's lots of people that bandy around that they're very honest, you know, like I'm an honest blogger and honest and then not. Yeah. I think I just don't think I can really do another way. And I feel, and I feel really, ugh, if I was doing that. It's like you're cheating on yourself. Well, when I got off at this holiday and I contacted a couple of my mates and was like, what do you reckon? Oh God. Cause I had just gone to a whole, I'm not ever doing a holiday. And then I got off at a holiday and it was like, God, that's really tempting. And one of us <laughs> said, Steph, you would have a terrible time. I know you. And you would spend the whole time stressing about one, what you were going to share and two, that it would make people think, well, who the hell do you think you are? And yeah. she knew, she knows me, you know, she knew. And that's exactly what would have happened. It's that was not like, worth it. Yeah, so I I don't know. I think you either are open and honest or you're not. But I think there are lots of people who are pre- not pretending, but they're kind of, maybe they are, they're kind of trying to show themselves that way and they're not really. And I think mm. I, I can I feel like I can sniff it out totally. Yeah, yeah. There was something that, that really made me chuckle um, just before we started um, this call. I just thought, well, let me just have a quick... Um, scroll through your social media and um there was something that you 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 was like um it was something like this is not profound because I've got nothing profound to say why does everything need to be profound and I was like shit I love profound I'm I'm a fully oh, no, you paid up member of profound you're, insta your career and what you're doing is something a bit different but you know when like every post and you're talking about people who are like lifestyle bloggers who are p- promoting clothing and and then suddenly everything they're doing has like some deep hidden meaning to it. Joy that's like, within your new bag yeah. from... Well, I saw this, yeah, or I saw this thing today and it made me think and it goes Do you know the one that really does me in? <laughs> really does me in when people say, um, a few of you have asked or loads of people have been asking. <laughs> we know, no one's been asking. Or we know that two people have asked. We absolutely know this. Stop doing that. Just say you want to share. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe I think, that's something I need to work I think on. The body confidence thing is a really interesting one because some of the pe- some of it I feel it's a it's a having a moment, okay? And I think it is so good to see more bodies, to see more bodies where you have marks and roles and because you you don't didn't used to see that and there's no. probably still sways of the world who don't see that because they're not on Instagram or mm-hmm. they're not following certain accounts. Mm-hmm. So you see everything and you're like so you have in your head 
I want my body to look like that. Why doesn't my body look like that? And it's not even a real body. Yes. So I think that is something like Nat at Starmy Sunday does, just showing like this is what a tummy looks like when you sit down. Yeah. That is massive. I think what's weird at the moment is that you've got people talking about body confidence and showing a body, but I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if they're doing it because... Do you know what I mean? I and absolutely do know what you mean. And there was something that I saw. Um, it's almost like clickbait. It's like... It is. It like. so is. And do you know what? Um, there was something that I saw and I thought, oh my goodness, this is so where I am. I remember there was a a, a couple of years ago, um, my daughter was saying, do I think her stomach is fat? She's got yeah. a round tummy. I She is exactly my shape when I was her age. And I know she definitely, last year on holiday, I had to make a concerted effort to remember not to hold my stomach in because I've been holding my stomach in since like 1992. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> because she kept looking at my stomach and looking at hers. And I thought, I don't want you to start yeah. doing this and she said to me something about her stomach and I thought this is such a typical thing my dad would say like my dad is like the ultimate West African dad and yeah. I said look does your stomach work when you eat food does it pass through your system do you go to yeah. do you do a poo she was like yeah I said right so your stomach works that's all you need to know yeah. which I now 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 know probably wasn't the best response but I just wanted her to know your stomach is there for a function not for yeah. aesthetics yeah. and I've, I've said to her time and time again, it's not our jobs to be beautiful. Our jobs yeah. are to do what we're supposed to be doing. We're so there was so something that went round and said, exactly, there was something that went round and it was saying, um, my stretch marks aren't tiger marks, my this isn't that, my whatever, whatever, because I don't need to be beautiful. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. I really, really liked it because whilst I absolutely love um, the whole body positivity, body inclusivity movement. And I think it's really important to see every type of body, especially like I joined a boot camp and the boot camp is primarily full of women that are trying to lose weight. And when I first walked in, they literally like, mm-hmm, what is she doing here? It's not because I've got body dysmorphic disorder. Actually, we all do to a degree. So sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I damn well do. Yeah. But it's because I'm almost 42. I can feel my body changing. Yeah. Um, I want to be strong. And my granddad was very fit, active and healthy. And as soon as he stopped being active and healthy he ran warp speed into dementia and whilst I'm 42 and he was like 80 whatever when it begun or maybe it was before we didn't really notice but um I want to make sure that I'm looking after myself the best way I can so it was from the other end like what are you doing here and there was a lady um, that looked, she said, if I looked like you, I wouldn't be here. I said, you wait till you, we get going. You can probably do all of this 10 times better than me. I'm here because I need to be here. But yeah. it's this whole thing. Why do, why, do, why do we have to prove that we're beautiful? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stretch marks. It's not our job. Yeah. yeah. Stretch marks well, are stretch marks. Well, not well, you're still having that conversation. You're still talking about how we physically look, right? Yeah. I think... It's a massive, I think it's really massive. And I think what, I guess Instagram as a whole, what worries me sometimes is some of the conversations going on are really deep, big conversations that you've then got someone who's an influencer talking about who is not an expert. Mm-hmm. They're not trained. So you which, open up something. Sides. Yeah. And there's two sides, I guess, because one is like, well, if you're having the conversation, you're encouraging the conversation. Brilliant. Like, that's great. It's when it's almost more advisory. 
it makes it it makes me just feel a bit oh like I, unless you're a professional should you be doing that yeah. and I don't know yeah so and, and, that, and that is and the thing okay. that we need to be careful yeah. about well, I came off it, it more recently. I've had like days where I'm just like, I can't do it today. Because you're looking at it and you're scrolling through and you're like, everyone here is telling me something that I should or shouldn't be thinking or doing. And God, I just want to get on with having some actual life. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or just looking at funny pictures or looking yeah. at something that's special for someone. But it doesn't have to be always telling me how they've learned this massive thing or how they don't do this. I don't know. I just... And you know, the key with that is there's there's a time and a place. So there there are some accounts that I've either unfollowed or muted. Um, you know, when you have to mute because you can't unfollow. Oh, yes. That is a thing. Um, because sometimes I'm like, this this is just too much. I feel like I'm consuming so much stuff that I'm not really remembering where I begin and where I end and what my yeah. own values are. And and that's when you start to then really overthink your own posts, don't you? Because you're filtering it almost with all these other views that you've been presented with. But then what do I think about that? Like on bodies, I I had an eating disorder when I was younger, which I've never really talked about because it's quite private, not because mm-hmm. I just haven't, but I don't want to be another person that throws their hat in the ring. Oh, I've had that. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, had, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I think I'm still working things through. Like I have a good relationship with food now because I exercise. So then I and I then I feel okay about my body. And there's this whole process that it took me. And again, Doug the Savior. It took me and Doug to get that because he was a rugby player and he has a really like clear view of food as fuel. Like he enjoys food, yeah. but it's there's input output. Yeah, yeah, yeah get that right you're fine don't worry about it yeah and it's he's just so logical about it and he that's how he grew up whereas I didn't I had all sorts of you know rules Mm -hmm. in my head Mm -hmm. so so that but I'm like so does that mean I'm because of the whole body but does that mean I'm not supposed to exercise now am I you know do you know what I mean this is the thing yeah we've got to be so careful like what are we promoting yeah yeah what 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 are we promoting here because um yeah i it can it can it can feel quite icky even with things like people sharing information and i just thought to myself um sometimes it feels like you're sharing what's on tr- on trend and mm. you're going to share that and then you're going to come off Instagram and you're going to have a huge vulnerability hangover because perhaps it's something you haven't made peace with. It's not something you're ready yeah. to share. Yeah. And I just think something that has really assisted me when you were talking about your business and about um, not being able to control competitors, but really it's what I refer to as minding your own business, just really focusing on you and what you're doing, what you're putting out into the world, making sure your customers have a great experience with your products. Mm. I just had to look like I, I um, am connected to like quite a few like coaching type people, psychologists, therapists and all of that, because um, I really like to have those sorts of people um, on my podcast um, because they share really valuable information that people find really helpful. Mm. And th- as soon as I share su- uh, a, a podcast, I generally share them um, in the morning. There's always a spike. People are listening to it on their way to work. And then people mas- message me, say, oh, my goodness, I had this profound um, realisation, whatever the case may be. 
Mm. I really um, love all of that stuff. But um, I've got to be really mindful about how much I look at that stuff because otherwise that's when I start to think, am I enough, basically? And once I worked out what I was doing... I was able to slow my roll and just think, Tamu, what are your values? What are your strengths? What is it that you're trying to say? What is it that you feel people need to know? Just do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel really comfortable in what I'm sharing. It's too I think, much. I think, that's what I, I think that's what I was trying to say earlier as well. I think if I remember I once wrote about... Um, I think we've talked about this. My parent, we did fostering and adopting when I was growing up. And so, and I wrote once a positive piece about being a sibling of foster and adopted kids because, again, I learned from it. I learned so much. And I can't, and I'm not speaking for all my siblings and I'm not speaking for everyone who has lived in that situation. But I see that I learned a lot from it. And my brother who works with me feels very similar in that we could have been a very, you know, um, sheltered upbringing with our parents still together and a very middle class and all the rest of it. And actually we were exposed to other people Mm -hmm. and other families Mm -hmm. and other situations Mm -hmm. and some people who were having a really shit time. Mm -hmm. And it didn't mean it was easy as a kid because quite often this was a kid coming into my house, taking up my space. My parents. Yeah, all of that. So obviously that has all other things in it which Doug again will every now and then go and you can totally tell that you had like issues as a kid (laughs) but more importantly they had a home and more importantly I learned I you know we learned we learned more about sharing and other people and all that stuff and I think I use that you know I've used that as as an adult not in a in a intentional way but no but it gives you empathy it gives you compassion Which is a massive part of the business when you look at it, like, you know, having that empathy and knowing that not everybody is the same as you. So I think that that's quite a big deal. Yeah. Lost my train of thought. Sorry. I what think that with this, we were talking about um, using our voices, basically, and um, feeling comfortable in sharing what we want to share yeah oh that was sorry saying about the blog this blog post sorry oh yes about fostering and adoption and somebody was a bit like and and i had uh, and it went it went on like a mum's net thing so the comments it was like being on daily Net is not really very no well the comments underneath there were there were people who were talking it was coming from their truths or whatever saying i grew up in a foster home and it was not like they did and or i that was their experience yeah, right. So, but they, but I felt really bad because I was like, oh God, I'm saying one thing and they felt it very differently and everything else. And I remember a friend of mine who's very smart said, as long as you know that anything that you're putting out and you're saying is true, it's your values, it's your experience, it's what you believe, then you don't need to worry about it. And that was probably when I was only about six months into have. So this is before the business and before that. And that, I think, when you say about how do you feel about what you share and everything else, I think that's become mm-hmm. like a guiding line. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I know, if I were to say something, and I'm sure it's happened, I can't think of an example, I'm sure I've done it before I've, where I've borderline said something that I don't know if I'm confident <laughs> in it. Or, I would feel, I would, I would torture myself afterwards, you know, and I'd yeah. beat up and I'd feel terrible and I'd worry about everything. And so I can't do that. Yeah. I've got to know that everything I'm saying is exactly how it really is for yeah, me for and it's you. not yeah, everyone. yeah yeah and technology 
so, so someone who's had a terrible experience with a foster child in their house that that exists too yeah. I wasn't saying anywhere this is the best thing ever and it no. was quite and there's and there's um gradients like people I, I think and gosh we become so literal so the the reason that I commented is because my mum was a foster carer mm. so I lived in a foster placement and um my mum's experience as a foster carer is what led me to become a social worker yeah and fostering my goodness it was a damn roller coaster roller coaster But I learned so much of us. One of um, my mum's ex-foster children, who we see, he's a man now, we see him relatively regularly and we have a good relationship. Mm. Before he left the foster placement, he punched me and I had, my my temper was swollen. Yeah. That that was really, really crap. But at the same time, this, and he was about nine at he was he was he was definitely not 10 when that happened yeah but equally that boy that punched me um when my daughter was very little they said he had all these behavioral problems i don't i don't think that he did i think he just needed patience and nurturing and understanding yeah um, which he probably had never had which right? he had never had yeah it didn't matter what kind of mood and how he was going to kick off he would never ever do it near my daughter never ever ever so even though he punched me I still had a lot of love and compassion for him a because I knew where he was coming from I wasn't a social work yes I was a social worker by then but b because I just knew that he wasn't just one particular thing so when we're sharing stuff we know that there are bits in between, but we're mm. sharing what we want to share. So yeah. just jog on. And also when it comes to fostering and adopting, there's not there's not enough positive stories exactly. about it. It's a real unknown. If you're not in that world in any way, either because you've had it happening in your family or anything else, it's that so much secrecy and and you know and falsehood. Yeah. And I at the time to- I wanted to be able to say the positive for me that yeah. it, there was. Yeah. And there is. So yeah. I think I, I, I think this um, I think we we need like social media manners lessons because I don't think somebody would have done that in real life. It's just because it was the veil yeah. of having a phone or a screen or whatever. Yeah, Steph, there was so much more that I wanted to um, talk about, but um, I'm really trying to keep these around about an hour because I can be very self indulgent, and you like talking, and I like talking, so we can talk and talk and talk <laughs> we can and talk. Go hours. Um, let me just see. Do I have to? Is there anything that I have to, have to, have to, have to, have to? Um, oh, random one. What's your favourite word? Do you have one? Mm. I don't know if I do. Eggy, eggy, eggy. Yeah, come on, eggy. <laughs> I used to say it bit when I my job before the business is quite. I worked in government and I worked in quite a corporate role. And I'd be in a meeting and go, that's so eggy. And then quickly realised that no one was saying eggy anymore. Since <laughs> they were about eight and in the yes, 80s. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you leave that. It's I still like that. that. Eggy. Yeah. I might, that might have to make a comeback, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's so much. And it does, it does. It's, it's like a, there are very few things in life that are a panacea. Right. Eggy is a panacea it can be used in all situations 
Yeah. You could be somewhere eggy, this place is eggy, that person's eggy, yeah, yeah, that yeah. eggy idea. Oh, I've had a few eggy ideas. <laughs> oh, what's the, what is the most eggy thing you have done that you're willing to share within Don't Buy Her Flowers? Oh, I think probably in the early days, I didn't really understand cash flow. Oh, Lord have mercy. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's been a quick lesson. Yeah. So I think I kind of thought, oh, well, if you buy up loads of stuff, then you've got it then. So you've got the you've got the product and then you're not going to run out and then you're ready if the customers come calling. But obviously, until you've got the customers or you know you've got the customers, that's not a good idea. Yes. And now I really understand how important cash flow is. Um, so I did a cut. You know what? There haven't been many mistakes because of this kind of gradual. And Doug works in finance. So he obviously. Okay as a view on things um so we we are cautious to a point so i haven't made any massive humdingers yet but there's just things that we got but it would have been buying up too much stuff and thinking oh well it doesn't matter if we don't sell it because we'll just hands keep it up. on the shelf hands all the way up but that's yeah. good learning that's good learning yeah 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 and then you've got to streamline it and yeah. be and that's why now we've got her chad is the head of operations my brother so that's his he handles all that really yeah. well um uh have you are there any books that you've read that have helped you with your don't buy her flowers journey oh i'm trying to think do you know the first book i read before i started the business and i was thinking about doing it when holiday was um how to start a business from your kitchen table oh which is by the not on the high street women oh yeah and it was good in that it structured out how to write a business plan how to, it's like some of the basics, I had no idea I'd never worked in business. Yeah. Like I had completely no idea. Um, I don't, at the moment, I'm getting much more into business podcasts. So there's a new Piers Linney one called Rethinking Business. So he was in, he was on uh, Dragon's Den and stuff. But he's had quite a few businesses on there or business owners on there who aren't necessarily the ones that you always hear from. The yeah. same has rolled out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A um, bit more about innovation and stuff. And mm. I'm finding it really useful to listen to other businesses. And the main finding, actually, is a lot of them, either they took investment and they massively regret it, or they're saying they grew, but they just had to take their time and it's not overnight. And then now they own 100% of their business and it's doing really well. And that though, though it's a good time for me to hear all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to nosedive into that. Um do you have anything coming up that we need to know about? Any special offers, Father's Day's around the corner? Father's Day, Father's Day's around the corner. So we're launching a new package, which is, uh, so we've got a man package on our site because we had customers saying, I want to do what you're doing, but I need to send a gift to a man. Yeah, hashtag inclusivity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but we, it was kind of a, there were a few options in it, but it was kind of a set package. So we're now, we're launching, we've got some new products we're adding and it's going to be a create your own man package. So something that we did start doing in November was completely bespoke create your own, where you literally, there's like 60 products and you pull it together and you pull together your own gift. And that's proved to be really popular and has outsold everything. Oh, wow. So people want that. Um, so we're adding a, a man package version of that. So it's all gifts for men and we've got some like different things from books to toiletries to food to drinks, socks, like, you know, and you can work out what your budget is and mm -hmm. 
by yeah so that's what it's 15th of june i think yeah, Day. something like that 15th, that's 16th. Next big yeah. Thing. yeah and then and corporate as well corporate's a big big area of growth for us so loads of businesses buying whether that's you know a school staff room or a massive multi whatever yeah. people buy, wanting to buy thoughtful gifts and yeah. is realizing that they could be more thoughtful than sending the same old hamper to somebody or sending flowers or so again that's that's kind of happened without us going after it so now we're like well, what can we do to work with that and offer a really bespoke service and yeah. branding and all that stuff so that's again does that mean that there will be a change to don't buy them flowers oh I don't know no I don't think so I think the the thing now is that and with our new marketing head starting she's like the potential and the options at, is there's so much like Usually if you've got a business and you're like, how are we going to market this? It's like trying to, you know, when you've worked somewhere, I used to work in brand and marketing, you're kind of going, how are we going to get that to customers or how are we going to think about selling that? We've got so much. Yeah, there's so much. And it's almost like, right, we've got to pick one thing, do that. And then, so our list of things is ridiculous. Of course. But we want to, yeah, which which is a good problem to have. Absolutely. Um, It's just choosing, choosing what to focus on first. So I think the corporate thing is interesting just because we never, we haven't gone after it. And we've got a few um, businesses who've set up accounts and they're really loving being able to send something that's just better. and more mm. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, there's, there's lots, to do, lots to do, but I'm trying not to feel overwhelmed by it. Staircasing, remember, yeah. staircasing. Yeah, exactly. um, so, yeah. people, so for people that are not connected with you, at the moment um how where's the best place for them to find you and what's your web address so the web address is don'tbuyherflowers.com um and i'm steph underscore don't buy her flowers on instagram those are probably the best ones or don't buy her flowers on instagram for our business account i'll make sure that there are links in the show notes for all of that steph thank you so much for a beautiful conversation yeah thank you um yeah i will keep on just literally enjoying your family of ravers um (laughs) and watching don't buy her flowers and progression and um yeah look forward to seeing what's coming next thank you and you with your you've done your first year i've done my first year that is massive that first year is tough man and you've done that so It, it is it is um and one of the best things for me is that whatever's going on we're in a place where women are really seriously championing and supporting women in business <laughs> and women doing stuff yeah it's it's really it's a really really beautiful time yeah, yeah i'm really grateful the world is ours for the taking. Hey! <laughs> when we're less tired. That's it. Right, so I'm going to go off now and write some profound captions for uh, Instagram. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will see you on the gram. Yeah, all right. Thank Take care. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. 
The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.